1: Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Will from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hampler and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Now Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT WWE oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, round table discussions, and a round of the week complete with a Is of course on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamflint Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. It is the hottest day of the year, the quite possibly hottest day ever in England. And the only thing hotter was Monday Night Raw, Michael Hamflirt.
2: Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I've got to allow you to have that opinion because what we learn, obviously, this is a safe destination for us all to have fun. Let's never forget that that's what the point of this podcast is and indeed Monday Night Raw itself. I think weather crack is mostly boring, but to echo Marty Jannetty, I'm not a Marty Jannetty guy. It's f**ing <laughs> hot. Um, I walked out the what culture office yesterday, and it was like when you open the oven, which you know, as we've talked about with my culinary skills, I have to do quite a lot and get that blast <laughs> in your face. I, I don't think it's ever been hotter in this country ever. Certainly in our lifetimes, there's people talk about sometimes in the 70s where it all went a bit mad. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it is so, it's hot and I'm not whinging, it's incredibly nice, we don't always get this kind of weather, but it is a little bit oppressive. And the only thing I can think to compare it to is like sitting down at the very start of an episode of Monday Night Raw as bad as this, it's just like, <laughs> oh, god, how can I escape this? Oh, I can't Like I can try and turn a fan on at home, like I can just try and, I don't know, move about a bit, get some cold water, something like that, nothing. Nothing gets you out of Monday Night Raw when it's like this. It is sludgier than the hot weather
1: outside. It's also quite similar to the weather because people are like, oh, where's this hot weather come from? Oh, we've seen it coming for years. It's global warming. <laughs> where's, this, where's this bad episode of Raw come from? <laughs> this
3: was dystopia. <laughs> this was a dystopia. Like, there were several bad things that are typical of a bad WWE show. On television, the premium live events should be even better, in my opinion. But anyway, the TV is absolutely rotten. I think we've all established that at this point. This genuinely felt like a dystopia where all the bad things were usually very bad. The just middling action that exists only to end in a bad finish because the real stuff gets done on a Sunday or a Saturday once a month. And like, oh my god, why am I watching this for? Promos terrible. There were comedy segments that were terrible. The propaganda was terrible and usually because there is so much that is terrible you forget the other things that are terrible I think um, I remember uh, in the old office in a more innocent time I described this phenomena as win its where because there's so much crap right you forget the stuff that's just stuck the WWE's ass (laughs) that's just always there that doesn't sting quite as much because you kind of you know just old crap in it, like the what chance on this show? were Oh my god! I with the commentary, I can filter it out. It's just part of my brain is just accepted. You do not like listening to this, so don't. My I've I've curated my brain paths, my neuron receptors, or whatever they're called, to just ignore it. Mm. I could not ignore the what chance here, my. Goodness, they were absolutely horrible. You in theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> camera cuts. It's just such a horrible show to watch. Even if it's like vaguely alright by their standards, mm. this awful crowd. What? What? Shut the <laughs> up. <laughs> like they chose to go. I'd be miserable too, but they they chose. I know. You know, that's know. like they Cam- made the decision that night to go to that role. Camera cuts, the formatting just I hate it this is horrible let's d- delve into why it was horrible let's do a deep dive or as you might say let's have a proper gander at
1: what took place on this edition of Monday Night Raw yeah because it started really well for me the show come on mate well, let me get into it Titus O'Neill is stood in the ring and I was like this is brilliant <laughs> I love him Team him for ages. Uh, he's obviously the, the WWE ambassador now, and he talks about his accomplishments in his career and dropped the old hurra, 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 right. He goes, as Dave Meltzer would yeah, yeah, say. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, he, he your hometown pop. Yeah.
3: You know, all this criticism,
2: like, they've never given people a nice night in the hometown, and they finally flip it, and now people can bloody complain about something else.
1: What do you want? Yes, yeah, so he said he'd done all that, but he peaked by becoming this WWE ambassador, and uh, he said it's a uh, Well, they needed more. They needed goodwill now more than ever. (laughs) It's their jobs to put smiles on faces, whether that meant helping the less fortunate, uh, entertaining the U.S. servicemen, uh, servicemen and women across the world, or assisting families. He said, "Look, we'll never talk about politics or religion or anything divisive here in WWE. This is like a safe space uh, to ensure we can all have a good time." And he welcomed us to Monday Night Raw. And because I when he when he first appeared, I thought oh, what's Titus going to have to say? What's he (laughs) going to announce? And he didn't say anything because this was all about, look over here. Look at all the good stuff we do. Don't read the papers. Don't do anything like that. Don't do your own research about maybe why we're starting starting the show in a way we haven't done ever, as far as I'm aware. Let's just remember the good stuff that WWE does, Michael Hanflet. Mesmerizing.
2: Absolutely mesmerizing stuff, this. Um, you know, I'll get the, the obvious take out the way that I think a lot of people are thinking today. What's coming next from the Wall Street Journal? Because what were they trying to get on top of here? You know, if, if all red... Like, if Vincent Mann's first response was to go on television and his second one was to disappear from television and this is the latest one, what could be more to come? You know, like, that'll be something that I think we'll all be keeping quite a close eye on. Um, <laughs> In
1: emergency, smash glass and bring out Titus O'Neil. Yeah.
2: Last week, I was doing a list for whatculture.com, and I showed Sidgwick this. Like, they, it, was, uh, it was around the election season in 2008, and it was when Obama and Hillary Clinton were competing to be the Democratic candidate, and John McCain was the Republican candidate. And they said at the start of the show, we're going to hear from all three, WWE don't do politics, right? but we're going to hear from all three electoral candidates. And I thought, well, at least balance, right? So John McCain does this like, statesman-like speech from his office. Thanks, WWE fans. The real John
3: McCain. The real John McCain.
2: All right, thanks, WWE fans. Get out the there The real McCain.
3: <laughs> oh this is the real McCoy isn't it yeah, yeah. it is the real McCoy oh, right. same difference I mean, I unless it,
2: unless it's the John McCain that makes the oven chips in which case like, yeah. maybe I should have voted for him but like so oh, he does this little speech or whatever and then we're going to hear from Obama and Clinton no we're not we're going to hear from a guy dressed up uh, as Obama with giant cartoon ears that comes out to The Rock's music versus a woman dressed up as Hillary Clinton coming out to Hulk Hogan's music and have a fake match we can hear what The Rock is
3: cooking yeah.
2: <laughs> like they're the, that's the Republican guy there's your Democrats yeah like vote for this guy pick these clowns, right? And it's great because, like, Obama won. So, like, you kind of get the happy ending there. You know, we we are legitimately apolitical, I suppose. I'm not. Like, I'm not. I gotta eat
3: a large pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Can't be medium, can it, love? It has to be large, rosy. We see those one-star reviews every
2: now and then. So, like, what culture absolutely is apolitical? I'm not. I was glad the Democrats won. But regardless, WWE is obviously political. It's all Mm. the things that Titus O'Neill said that they're not. Um, The fact that for all of my life watching WWE, I have been told what to, whether or not I choose to do so is a different matter, but I've been told what to think, what to support, what to cheer, and what to fear. by this product explains how, like, nonsensical this was. Like, you are actively encouraged to see personality traits as either positives or negatives, and then watch them perform against one another. Like, in a nice sort of uh, unimportant way, Becky Lynch being this arrogant, obnoxious, celebrity-obsessed, rich buffoon, is a fun thing to boot be because I get the catharsis of a kind of working-class hero done good in Bianca Belair. Yeah. That's the whole point of this. So straight away, that's undone. That's, yeah. that's fundamentally why wrestling exists, right? It's a shame that they go down the route of politics and gender and identity and things like that because they could just, like, have fun with stuff rather than going down, like, quite sort of ugly routes sometimes. But they do it nonetheless. If you watch WWE, as Titus O'Neill suggests that you do for decades... Go back to the very early editions of Raw from the Manhattan Centre in nineteen ninety-three, and you will see after a scandal hit nineteen ninety-two, a big banner on those um like the the lovely balconies yeah. of the Manhattan Center saying headlock on hunger, because then WWE were beating you over the head with the fact that they were doing like um it was Somalian hunger relief, mm-hmm. and working with various charities in nineteen ninety four and nineteen ninety-five, around the time of the steroid trials and Like, everybody zooming in very closely on WWE, it was the Special Olympics. What was Kane's nickname in the Attitude Era? Exactly. You know, like, they will do this when they feel like they absolutely need to as a PR exercise. This is a tale as old as time and just about every other story WWE tells. It's just been a while since we've seen it so upfront.
3: Morbidly fascinating and entertaining, but really gross. Really, really gross. Usually when people talk about "Mm -hmm. that wrestler's got a complicated legacy. (laughs) It means that uh, they're probably really rubbish, but babies will cry if you tell them that Triple H is rubbish. Mm. So you say he's got a complicated legacy (laughs) amongst the fandom or things like that. Yeah, Genuinely, and it doesn't give me any pleasure whatsoever to say this. At this point now, Titus O'Neil has got a complicated legacy in terms of um, his role with WWE because I've got no doubt whatsoever that a long time ago, his heart was completely in the right place. What an absolutely wonderful bloke. If you read up on his history... Um, He's done some genuinely lovely things, Um, but now he's a propagandist. He's simply put a propagandist who's associating willingly his genuinely almost pristine name and record, and everyone loves him, and with good reason, because he's done these wonderful things, and now they are leveraging the goodwill afforded to Titus to clean up their image and it's propaganda and it's just I felt so sorry for him that's yeah. it
2: bosses ask you to do things don't they it's yeah. tough it's
1: I felt really sorry for him obviously I'm incredibly biased when it comes to him but especially because you know this is pure speculation from me in theory what happens if he says I'm not going to do that? Like you say, I'm not going to leverage my legacy exactly. for this. Well, they say, well, guess what? We don't really need you legacy. to. Be a, yeah, we don't <laughs> need you to be an ambassador. You're fired. And like, if he, I'm not suggesting that every single person who leaves WWE is going to go to AW. He goes and knocks on Tony Khan's door and says, um, "I'd like to try out for you, please." Mm-hmm. Right? When was your last match? Mm-hmm. Like they've got him over a barrel here. I felt I felt a awful for him.
2: I think, unless he was to take up another ambassadorial role for another company yeah. off the back of it, that's one thing. But yes, yeah, certainly, uh, he's kind of put in the time. And regardless of what WWE have had to do with it, because, you know, they do set up these, it's corporate charity at the end of the day. And we know that it's a pretty ugly world that, but they'll send him to various places. And regardless of why that relationship might exist, when he's there, it's evident from every bit of footage we've ever seen that he has a positive impact on the people he connects with, even if this has been overseen by companies that are working together for tax relief or for PR or whatever it is in the moment he's clearly doing good things for people that are glad to have him there doing the good things
1: but it's ugly. What was the phrase that Steph used?
3: Uh, Philanthropy is the future of marketing it's how brands are going to win it wasn't her actual thought but she quote tweeted it for stupid reasons. It was
2: bang right as well which is the worst thing um it's like super common now, isn't it? You, you uh, the McDonald's touchscreen asks for pennies extra when you are paying for your food and things like that. Like companies have spotted it. The use of uh, whatever particular cause of the moment, I guess there are companies that have done more damage to some of those causes and will yet use it if they see fit. And WWE are as part of it, as anywhere else, I guess. It's, it's just how will like this? This is today. Like, will it have already gone by tomorrow? It's a quick news cycle, isn't it? It's fast moving. Mm. This will be remembered, though. This is we still sort of reference things like stand up for WWE. That's one off the top of my head, and there are others. But this feels like it could be one that sticks around. You know, like the it's, it's going to be a reference point for years to come for the likes of us in covering WWE and what, what we flash back to when they when something else ugly shines on them.
1: Yeah. Well, let's review this. this- show. Uh, <laughs> Becky Lynch comes out and it's one of those where I genuinely can't tell nowadays Sige whether or not this was a deliberately bad promo because she's a heel and they just want to be like, oh my god I just can't wait till Bianca Belair kicks your head in next weekend. Or whether the writers were like, train stuff. That's what we're doing. That's what's going to really, really punch through the screen to these viewers. Because she comes out and she talks about the little engine that could she says this little engine had a heavy load. It kept going on regardless of obstacles. Similar to her journey. She said, She isn't no little blue choo-choo. She's the big time Bex Express. When she becomes unhinged, she can't be stopped. Asker tried to derail her. She rolled right over her though, and the train when the train's coming, it stops for no one. Not very good train then. Everyone stops for the train though. Just like the five women who stopped at Money in the Bank. The big-time Bex Express is rolling to SummerSlam because she's going to get a title shot against the winner of tonight's match. Thank goodness at that point. Uh, Bianca Belair interrupts and says, this isn't Becky Lynch's comeback story. I did like Becky Lynch saying. It is. <laughs> Just nit, quickly nipping in there. This was Belair's own comeback story uh, going all the way back to SummerSlam last year, uh, which is a story beat they haven't mentioned much. And they didn't mention more on this show, to be honest apart from a five-minute video package. Um, she said Which, Lynch, by the way, good that they knocked that together quickly after Carmella was written out of things Exactly here. what Fair I was thinking. There was a Kyle Riley on the, like, <laughs> there, like Adobe there. I played them. Uh, Lynch caught her off guard a year ago, but she worked hard to regain her reputation. She did that by winning the title, and after beating Carmella tonight, she'd complete the last chapter at SummerSlam by beating Becky Lynch. Out comes her opponent for the title match. Carmella calls herself a, a badass with a... Great ass. Got a head all the way up it. Corey Graves got his head all the way up it. And so, Still
2: nobody's watching on YouTube.
1: She thought it was convenient that Bianca Belair got counted out last week, and she said, well, if that happens tonight, it's all got a bit confusing on comments because at one point they went, there's no count outs. And they went, no, well, there is count outs, but you can lose the title on a count out or a DQ or anything like that. Um, and that's what Colmella confirmed here. Um, Belair decides she wants to get into it, but of course the two heels then beat her down. She fights off Carmella and turns straight into a manhandle slam. I sense this wasn't the greatest opening for usage here. Right, okay. The
3: oldest takes prevail because they are correct, right? If a writer is very good and is credited on their CV as being very good, They will write for actual prestige dramas that don't have a no-pressure environment, but WWE's environment is horrific by very, very, very multiple second-hand and first-hand accounts, right? If you're talented at writing, right, you're probably not going to write wrestling. You're just not going to do it. The people who do it are brass. You know how there's people in every job who are just pretty rubbish, and you think, how the hell— Did you end up doing this? It's pure balls. Pure brass-necked bollocks and delusions that can make people just apply for things for which they're woefully unqualified. And if they're good at bollocks and they're good at sort of gassing themselves up or whatever, they'll get these jobs. You see it in every industry. It's hacks who don't have the self-awareness or, you know, whatever, to realize that the hacks who get these jobs and they somehow get like a, a, a credit here or a credit there on like a quote-unquote proper TV show. And because they've got that credit and they've always got that credit and that can be referenced by their old bosses, this credit, they can go to WWE and go, I've got the minimum experience and I've worked in lots of different disciplines and all the rest of it, right? You've got a job. <laughs> You've got a job because you're qualified to write this, right? And they hacks. Hack writers only kind of realize because what you want to do you, you're pretentious if you're a writer every writer on some level is pretentious because you want to impress you think that your voice can change the world mm. or like impact the world or whatever there's certain things that you only realize are very hacky like in your formative writing years like I used to go men, like mental with alliteration for example <laughs> right alliteration then someone who's learned the lesson will tell you uh, alliteration if you do it too often it's like really just a little bit lame you know, so <laughs> Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, um, and I'm um, I'm really embarrassed. Same with wordplay. Where you really think that you've got a really cool turn of phrase? Then he's sort of so clever. I'm just going to do it and do it and do it and do it. And you read it back years later, and you think, "Oh my god, I've completely do you do that thing
2: where you can see how much you've engineered elsewhere to make that work." Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You go back a couple of paragraphs. Oh, I really started that one up there because I came up with this first, and I was like, "Right, right. got back and engineer this now to make that make sense at the end." <laughs> it wasn't worth it. Just yeah. write something instead. Just
3: write something instead. <laughs> These writers have never learned these lessons because they're in love with their own bollocks mm-hmm. and they are enabled to be in love with their own bollocks because WWE is such a primitive organization that still <laughs> loves these fancy talking TV types that they go, oh, these guys know
1: what's going on. That is so clever. It's dumb
3: people running a dumb company and that's why you get bollocks like this.
1: Yeah, just thinking as you were talking there, like name a great, like Martin Scorsese, great directors, people like that. He doesn't, if you were writing for him, if you were writing a script for him, he wouldn't turn around 10 minutes before the cameras roll and go, no, I don't like this. Um, Right, Bobby De Niro's sat here. He's waiting for it. Can you just... Knock something quick up, like, you know, something clever that he can say before he kills the guy on the dax or whatever. Like, <laughs> that's not how it works, and that's not how you create good stuff. That's how you create bollocks like it's just this. pretentious
3: wordplay bollocks that they think is clever because they're too dumb to recognise that it is not.
1: And they, you know... They, yeah. I've been guilty of it. But like I say, I've seen people already... I grew up. ...going, <laughs> Becky Lynch promo, great heel stuff, because people... No, she's really bad. Really bad writing. She's, you know... If be- Becky Lynch could sell almost anything when she's on form, mm. right? And they've given her so much crap. You've pointed this out a lot since she came back because they were like, "Right, here she is. She's a heel." And they were like, "I don't want to be her as a heel." No, she's a heel. You have to boo her. And so I just, oh, I just went through me this, and it was like I say, it was just, it's ten blokes sat in a room stressing, Vince tapping his watch, and then going. I don't know. Train stuff. What you, she can roll and people train. train, do train like because I was reading it there and I was like, does this train stop or does it not stop? Does it stop? Do people stop for the train or does this train not stop for? Pe- oh, it's infuriating.
2: Every now and then a discussion comes around where people argue. Some possibly internally within companies, within wrestling companies, argue that wrestling should have credits at the end. If you think about how many people go into the production of your standard episode of Monday Night Raw, even if Vincent McMahon just red pens it five minutes before showtime. Can't happen, can it, without all of those people? And then you watch a promo like that, and you can imagine somebody working on it being like, eh, it's my right credits. I don't need my name attached to that. Like, it's almost, it's easy for them to be like, I worked on WWE. What specifically? Uh, I, I, I worked on WWE. Like, yeah, but any promos in particular? Like, last, who, who wrote last week's Raw? I don't know. Just, like, look around and hope that you don't get blamed <laughs> for it or something like that. I, I realised something about Becky Lynch this week in particular. She's a star, and... She's definitely ascended beyond the rank and file, and that was probably why I was quite generous to the Dana Brooke interaction a few weeks ago because I was like, sometimes by dropping them in there, you realise just how far above, like that crew, Becky Lynch is. Um, her looks and this, where she wears like something different every week, that old Becky Lynch. When I wake up after I've watched Raw and I go on Twitter, she'll always be trending, and it's because a lot of people have said, "Oh, like look at Becky Lynch's outfit," or they're sharing pictures of like the, the wacky outfit she's got that day, and. I've said this before on other podcasts. I think her work's been the best it's ever been since she's returned. So she, and she's putting in that mostly on the premium live events. She's just the latest to figure out a way to game this system. Yeah. She knows that a bunch of people won't ever really watch this promo in full, but she's got to get the words out because some writers put it in her hand or because somebody's a big fan of train puns this week. But she knows ultimately what's going to get shared is images of her in the, the wacky costume or the cool gear or whatever. And then the wrestling's going to come around like once every Saturday Sunday and she's going to have a good match. And people are like, oh, Becky Lynch she still got it. You know, they're not watching this week on week and seeing these promos that don't make any sense or these moments where the character is just involved in utter, utter nonsense. They're going to see the fun outfit, the weird gear, they're going to get enough of a grasp of the character, and then she's going to have a decent match once a month to back it up. I I just think she's figured that system out. How to retain being a star. I know that, like, made the point of, like, both her and Seth were probably the next two to try and sideline in her, away from WWE, and, like, more power to them for that, I guess. She might not be effective at that, but she is at least going to remain effective amongst a lot of wrestling fans because as we know at this point, tons of them don't even watch this. You know, a lot of people don't even go into the minutiae like we do for these reviews yeah. or like do do hardcores do. So they'll never know that Becky Lynch did a little engine that could promo full of train puns. They'll never, ever know. They'll just remember
1: that week she had the half-white hoodie thing and these fun glasses, and then wrestle the banger at a pay-per-view. Plus, she knows, in two weeks, probably, this isn't going to matter anyway. She's going to probably yeah. lose at the premium live event, disappear for a bit, then come back, hopefully, as a baby face. And, you know, you'll go like, oh, I remember when she was a heel, and I remember when she came back at SummerSlam. I remember she had that brilliant match at WrestleMania, and fingers crossed she had a great match at this year's SummerSlam. But not yet. No one's going to think, oh, yeah, she had that bollock. And, like, imagine Becky Lynch, the amount of time she spent in... Right? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but the... Like, you were like, I can't trust her with a live mic. What?
2: Said it a million times. It's the blessing and the curse of WWE's disposable content, churn. There is something every single week on Raw and SmackDown that once upon a time would have been the worst segment of the year stuff, and it is weekly because they're encouraging you to forget about it or not really pay enough attention to care.
1: Anyway, uh, let's get into this because uh, we've got a brilliant five-star review, review to come, and uh, I'm tired of talking about this show already. <laughs> <laughs> I did like, however, that, that when she got hit with a manhandle slam, he's annoying, he's a dick a lot of the time. I did like Corey Graves going, start the match right now! Because <laughs> he was just so biased throughout this entire thing. So it's Bianca Belair, Carmella, Raw Women's Championship match. went about 10 minutes. Um, Lynch tries to distract Belair by running around ringside at one point and claims she's just complimenting on her nice boots or whatever, and that allows Carmella to get the advantage. Uh, Carmella tries to win by count out a few times. She drops uh, drives Belair into the ring post and she chucks her into the timekeeper's area and drops her on the steel steps. Uh, but Belair makes it back in like an eight count. She fights back, does Belair, hits some standing moonsault because she's mint. Uh, Carmella hits a super kick for a two count. Belair, again, because she's ridiculously strong, catches Carmella on a high cross, transitions it into a delayed vertical suplex, which was great. Uh, Carmella hit her with a face buster for a two count. And then Carmella, at one point, just slapped Belair in in the face, and she was like, right, screw this. Grabbed her, KOD, one, two, three. Belair retains. She will face Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. Becky Lynch brings her the belt but drops it at her feet before she walks off post-match.
2: I think this highlighted, as much as anything, how a half-decent angle, which almost never happens in WWE, a half-decent angle is so vital to elevating any match, even decent ones, because I think these two have got legitimately quite good physical chemistry together. I've seen that from what they've done this last month, and yet the angle has been useless. Absolutely rubbish stuff. Carmella is this basically, like, she was a literal stand-in, I suppose, for Rhea Ripley, but never booked as anything more than a stand in for the premium live event this was a transparent attempt to drag out and delay the inevitable announcement of the becky lynch match and it's a shame because the interactions tell me that there's a far better match if there was any any attempt to tell a story between them that would make you care more or have be emotionally invested that carmella might win that has never once existed and more's the pity because i think yet again carmella has proven that with a little she can border on achieving a lot mm. but uh, there's never any meat on the bone
3: um, I was beaten over the head with a very simplistic story beat that reminded me that the baby face is a doofus in the third consecutive match after the first one ended conclusively and the second two shouldn't have happened.
1: Uh, Sarah Shrivis chatting with the Street Profits about their tag team match, which will be refereed by the star of SummerSlam weekend, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> yeah. who's now also going to be competing in Ric Flair's last match as well. If you haven't seen the, uh, the little clip of him and... Uh, And Jay Lethal attacking Ric Flair, it's worth it. It's worth it just for my (laughs) son-in-law, for Ric Flair at the end. Red equals green, man, because that is
2: a
3: money promo. (laughs) It's it's not something you'd like to endorse. No, exactly. But he does, in fact, still got it.
1: Yeah. So Angelo Dawkins is excited about uh, Jeff Jarrett being the special guest referee. Keep the Usos in line. And Montez Ford said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the referee is because we're just going to beat him. We're going to become champions. Income MVP and Omos. And MVP said, oh, do you remember when Omos beat you last week, Dawkins? And I was like, I don't. Um, And they, oh, let's have a fight right now. And he says, well, I can't wrestle because I'm in my suit. That was, you know, a story beat that continued throughout this show. Um, but I'll go to Adam Pierce, and we'll get a singles match set up between the two of you. And then it was time for the KO show. Kevin Owens is back, uh, and he introduced Riddle as his guest. Uh, Riddle said he was here because he was promised a Mountain Dew. Give me a proper Mountain Dew, bro. A, uh, I don't know some blast one. I don't care. Two
3: little bottles Mountain
1: Owen's
2: mentioned the it was, re- was baja blast actually. Can you pay respect to quality pop because that's one thing America's got. It's not space flavored coke, mate. So it's
1: not. No. They know what we, they what we got here. Intergalactic. Yeah, intergalactic,
2: and it's Coke Zero, so it's not even the full sugar stuff. How can it taste like space? Cherry
3: Coke over there, mate. Yeah,
2: yeah. Cherry yeah, Doctor Doctor Popper.
3: Like <laughs> <a> cherry Coke. <animal. laughs>
1: it's a one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, Owen said, <laughs> I mean, "Oh, the reason why i yeah. the why I've been here for the past few weeks." Cherry Coke flopped.
2: What a goddamn ice cream and a goddamn tablet. You yeah, got two. Two for one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess she got three. <laughs>
1: uh, he said, I've not been here for the last few weeks, but Riddle, you might not have noticed because uh, he's been in his own little world. What did he uh, What did he mean by that, Sid? Stand already. Right <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I said he left because he was uh, too obsessed with the whole Ezekiel thing, so he went on a nature retreat. <laughs> Uh, but he watched Raw and noticed how mellow Riddle always was, um, and he said, "I don't know if you have had some assistance." Again, I'm struggling with this. <sighs> <laughs> I want to be more like you.
0: Oh,
1: stood around
0: it.
1: me a picture of it the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, I can see it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he talked about uh, um, Riddle facing Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. He said, uh, "Oh, Rollins used to be my uh, best friend, but he betrayed me." <laughs> And you lost your best friend, actually, in in Randy Orton. So how about, everyone needs backup in WWE. How about, you know, RK-Bro's good, but Bro-KO would be even better. And I was like, all right, fair play, that was pretty good. (laughs) Um, And Riddle smiled at him and said, you're the biggest liar I know, dude. And Owens said, well, you trust a snake like Randy Orton? The least trustworthy person in WWE? And Riddle fires up at this. Don't talk about my best friend like that. Gets in Owens' face. Rollins' music, well, not Rollins' music, just the burn it down bit, hits. Riddle gets distracted. Owen says, oh, I have got anything to do with this. It hits again. Riddle faces the ramp, and gets jumped by uh, Rollins and laid out with a stomp. What did you make of all this? Very little. Of a waste of Kevin Owens, this, I thought. Yeah. Um,
3: there's a match to build. So on a fundamental level, I understand why Riddle was emphasized above Kevin Owens, but work out something better to do for one of your better talents. Basics. absolute basics. If I'm going to be very generous, right? Very generous. I do half like the on-off association between Kevin Owens and Seth freaking Rollins working in just collaboration. Mm-hmm. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's genuinely It was quite a fun thing um, at the start of the year. So if they're picking that up, yeah, I'll have that. I'll have that. If I I have to have 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 something, can I do? Because I get paid to do this. Yeah, yeah, I love that.
2: (laughs) I couldn't work out what they were picking up and dropping here, though. The overlaps confused me a little bit. Like, obviously, through the course of this show, they've set up potentially uh, Seth and Owens versus Ezekiel and Riddle next week, just Mm -hmm. as a filler to delay SummerSlam. But then, yeah, with Owens saying that him and Seth really aren't on terms anymore, but are they here? And him saying he's gotten over the whole Ezekiel Elias thing, but has he? I, I just... I don't know whether Owens is medically cleared. That was the real reason, obviously. Right, yeah. So that's so like the only the, thi- that was the only thing I using, thought in my head. So having to, like, say these things don't matter as a way to just delay that it turns out they do. I don't know.
1: Yeah, because I I it just scanned weird. I anticipated, like you two talked about yesterday, that they would be setting up quite, quite quickly. Like you say, we've got less than two weeks now, quite quickly setting up an Owens match, maybe with Zeke or the, the, mm. the three-on-one match that you pitched. But the fact they didn't do that suggests to me maybe he's still not medically yeah. cleared. And they were just like, we'll just use you as a... In this, but yeah, it felt a bit of a waste to have Kevin Owens return just for this. Uh, Rollins is backstage. Oh, come on, Patrick. Uh, says why have you been targeting Riddle. Uh, and Rollins says, Oh, he's stupid, he's driving me insane. He's stupid, he's turned into arrogance. He's uh, so stupid, he thinks Orton is his friend, and he's so arrogant now. That you think it's a good idea to fight me at SummerSlam. And in comes Ezekiel to defend Riddle's honor. Uh, and Rollin says, I could stomp you, I could stomp Elias, I could stomp Elrod, I could stomp all of them. And Ezekiel says, Hey, don't talk about my family like that. And I was kind of with him, to be honest. Uh, and Seth says, Stay out of my business. And Ezekiel says, I'm in your business. And business is about to pick up. And I was like, Cool, so a match is coming. <laughs> <laughs> a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash WhatCulture today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp dot com slash WhatCulture. Then it was time for the judgment day. Um, priest tells everyone to rise. For a prince and a punisher. <laughs> uh, we they, used to be called that. Both of us. Then <laughs> times were better. <laughs> Priest guarantees that Dominic Mysterio is going to join the judgment day tonight. Uh, and he couldn't wait. Oh, sorry, he knew that Dominic couldn't wait to drop his father. We all knew that, Damien. Uh, they, With what, Damien? Damien. They uh showed the replay of them taking out Edge, and Finn Balor said, Oh, you could watch that all day long, but he's caught off by the Mysterios coming out. It was time for Damian. I could Priest. watch that all
2: day long, unlike about 300,000 viewers who switched off whenever Edge came on.
1: It's time for Damien Priest versus Ray Mysterio. Damien Priest dominates early. Ray makes a comeback though. Springboard crossbody gets a one count. Uh, Tilter World DDT gets Ray a two count. Sets up with a 6-1-9, but Balor, who's there at ringside, of course, jumps up on the apron. Dominic Pulls him off. Um, Balor knocks, <laughs> knocks down Dominic. So Dre drop kicks And <laughs> Ray tries for the six on nine, but Priest hits him with a thrust kick for a near fall. He does manage to pull it off, goes up top, but Priest counters the uh, seated centaur into a huge razor's edge for the one, two, three. Post match, Priest and Baller set up Ray for the concerto. Uh, and they tell, Priest tells Dominic, join us, join the Judgment Day tonight, <laughs> or we'll take Ray's head, oh, he's not Finn Balor, he will take Ray's head off, uh, and Dominic slides in and says, yeah, I'll do what you want, yeah, I'll join you, uh, just please stop. And Priest goes, doesn't work that way. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and Balor attacks him with the chair, and they're about to hit Ray with the concerto, but he slides out of the ring.
3: Phenomenally piss poor, Bukin. Yeah. You could not, over the last, well several years at this point, but particularly the last few weeks, I don't think, unless you put like, you know those uh, eyeglasses where like they've broken because some bullies punched a nerd in the face (laughs) and like they've got their bit of a bandage or something in the middle. Like Uh, Like uh, they say, by the beltweeds. Yeah, Yeah. like massive nerd, beaten up, the glasses have to go together, they're wearing like, Stupid geeky clothes. I'm picturing Maybe, Walter
1: from the Beano.
3: Yeah, I'm picturing Walter and Smackdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if they did that, uh Blippy. Yeah, oh no, I hate yeah. Blippy so much. I don't know, I can't remember. Is that like a children's yeah, TV a children's that a me and Hamlet have to sit to? Because we've got kids, just in case there's any first-time listeners. Yeah, did you watch Bluey last night alone?
1: No. Oh, what a nerd. Yeah. Bluey. He <laughs> looks a bit like
2: <laughs> the a bit like you. <laughs>
3: Ah, will be! <laughs> I've seen double here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> four Blippies. Uh, four Blippies. Blippies uh, done a lot of stuff on the internet. Have a Google of what he did before he was blippy. I'm just saying, how are we doing? Oh no. <laughs> did a couple of memes you want to check out. Yeah, uh, Yeah, check it out on Incognito. Uh, oh my god. I ain't joking. <laughs> I ain't been joking. Okay. Uh, back, <laughs> back, to to the the uh, back to the Mysterios.
3: Back to the Mysterios. Unless they'd put these glasses on them, they could not have looked more like pitiful geeks. Not only are they getting their asses kicked every single week, right? Dominic Mysterio is willingly joining a heel unit from which he gets rejected from being <laughs> too much of a bitch at the minute. <laughs> like, you cannot possibly bury, like... Th- I know people don't like it, right? Rey Mysterio in WWE versus Sting in AEW. Right? Job done. Shut one promotion. Shut one promotion, right? And then just let the other one prosper. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because my... Goodness! It could not be more stark. How useless one company is. Now, at its best, a bit uneven. But at its best, how
1: magical the other is. That was just so funny. Cedric, <laughs> join me. Join me. I'm gonna kill Hanford. Join me. Join me. Okay, I'll join you. Doesn't work like that. What?
2: It's I um. Funny man. Cedric mentions AEW and WWE because this was like a territory level burial, wasn't it? Like a guy in the way out that they just do don't want to treat with any respect. Back when that sort of thing used to matter. Like how are you sending me out? Or we're going to send you out on a stretcher and then we're going to push you off the stretcher and then beat you down and kick you while you're down. Oof, I, I, like, I can't quite believe they did this. even Knowing what we can presume about next week, and admit, we'll talk about that later. Well, again, it was a cryptic video
1: afterwards, and I'm still not sure who is it is. Is that now or later? Well, do, just, a, I didn't know who it was. This isn't the newer one. This is the one from last week.
2: Okay, right, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the new one because something made me laugh about that when I was...
1: Don't it now because I might forget later. Right, so there was a newer
2: one. Where um, and Rey Mysterio's mask appears for the first time we said that has been a notable absence from the other references to Edge's career in these other vignettes beforehand, and then there was uh, some like writing scrawled in blood that said, "I am coming to as in Tito, I'm, as in I am coming, as I am coming around, I am returning." Oh, okay, right.
1: yeah, I was thinking it meant something different. Well, oh I my mean, yeah.
2: There's a third meaning that has nothing to do with NXT 2.0, right?
1: Somebody, <laughs> I am coming to Rick. What's it mean?
2: Far be it for me to question the intelligence of Fiend fans on Twitter, right? But oh. they have seen some, like I, don't, like, I think it's like the outline of his mask or teeth or something like that. Like, yeah, if you look closely, you can see the Fiend's teeth. What? And because, they can't spell, right? They think it's I'm coming to, T-double-O. And it's like, who's Edge bringing with him?
1: Oh, no. Like, they've honestly
2: read that, I'm coming to, Who? I know Edge is there, but he, who else? And who's like, the next Undertaker guy? Well, must be the fiend because you can see the outline of his teeth. It stings chin.
1: I was going to say, like it's, the, stick all over again. <laughs> it's,
2: it's brilliant. If who you look, said
3: that having a tiny amount of knowledge is more dangerous than having none. It's, accurate, it's so yeah. true, though, isn't yeah. it? Who's he bringing with him? I'm
2: coming too. Well, hey, we know Edge is one of them, but he's the second <laughs> Who's the second guy?
1: <laughs> like.
2: Amazing. It's brilliant that. Christian oh, coming back?
1: Yeah. Does it doesn't make any sense as well? Because why would you why would you be like, I'm gonna do a big cryptic video and then like, can you write in blood that I'm coming to? There's somebody else scrolling. I that maybe it is the
2: fiend. I'm coming to <laughs>
1: yes. wacky cloud. Uh, brave uh misspelled too. That's done now. I did to be fair, I was looking, I'm not sure if you noticed in the background, it was like Undertaker's uh, and like you say, Ray Mysterious, Mass, Mick Foley, Fire, Cena, uh, then Wobbling Walrus was knocking around in the background, so (laughs) there's a big clue there.
2: Never forget they debuted uh, Wobbly Walrus on Paul Heyman's birthday.
1: I love him. I love him so much. (sighs) They are
3: so horrible.
1: Seth Ricken-Rollins versus Ezekiel came next. Uh, I did like the bit where early on, Rollins is just beating the crap out of him in the corner, and uh, Saxton's like, getting under his skin here. (laughs) Rollins just beating the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Graves like, it's kind of a dumb thing to do, really, isn't he? He's not really putting me off of his game. He's anything, he's in his groove. <laughs> um, Ezekiel tries to come back. Rollins trips him on the top rope, hits a, a diving knee strike. Um, he doesn't make a comeback, does, his, does Zeke, uh, after the break. Stinger splash, spine buster for two. Rollins uh, hits a thrust kick for a two count, and Ezekiel, like previous week. Struggles to get to his feet after the pinfall. It looks like he's going to get stomped again, but he manages to dodge that, get it into a cradle. They actually exchange cradles uh, for a, ser- a series of two counts, uh, including one off of Ezekiel hitting a power bomb. Uh, I did like Rollins coming off the top and Zeke's leaping knee strike is my favorite thing that he does. Uh, Ezekiel goes to the top. Rollins brings him down there with a superplex into a falcon arrow. That gets him a two count. Zeke tries another cradle, and then Rollins hits him with the knock-off hidden blade thing that he does. Curb Stomp, one, two, three.
3: Um, This was genuinely quite good and Mm. a measure of how tremendous as a professional wrestler Seth Rollins is because I can't think of a single soul. And I include Kevin Owens in this conversation who can get quite as much out of Elias, Ezekiel, whoever, as Seth Rollins can. Um, It's one of those where so hard to get into a WWE match on TV because you know you're haunted by the threat of disqualification, the threat of the match happening again, meaning this one doesn't matter because nothing really matters and there's no meaningful conclusion or advancement. So every WWE match, on television at least, is utterly cursed in terms of how I can invest in it. Um, But if you want to be really, really strict and just talk about (laughs) merals and really analyze it, then this is one of the... Better, or Not one of the better matches you'll see on Raw because they can do a banger. Look at the talent. But one of the more impressive ones. Yeah, I
2: have to agree with that. The uh, Ezekiel slash Elias at this point is one of the more transparent demonstrations of WWE's development. They just want their heels to slow the f- down and grab a hold and bore fans into booing them. And they just want their baby faces to be quick and spunky and fire up. And when you're in there with a Seth Rollins who can do whatever job is required, he, like, he is a WWE Grade ring general, if nothing else. So, if the idea is to bump and feed as quick as you possibly can to make it, like uh, Ezekiel look like he's you know like <laughs> rocket powered, mm. then he does do. Uh, whereas when he's Elias, it's just slow it down. Like he's still only got like what six moves, but it's how yeah. he uses them and it's how he works. And it's like Owens doesn't help Elias illustrate that style quite as well as Rollins and that's why you get the best version that's why you get him running around looking yeah. like this kind of proto-sting is because he's got someone in there that like adds the pace to it when Rollins hits that mat and then springs back up again that's what WWE have loved since the dawn of time because it just makes their baby faces look like superheroes if you can do that comeback John Cena's going to go backstage and say kid's got something
1: yeah. just because he knows how good that little sequence looked You know, sorry I, I put you off there I started giggling at one point because you said they <laughs> want their baby faces to be spunky and for some reason my, my brain thought of Come, mm-hmm. Brooks and Jensen in NXT 2.0. <laughs> Go, nailed that. That's down. We've got that down. Uh, right, a, the Usos are there heading out before the uh, Omos match, and they're like, yeah, kick his ass, you know, make sure he barely makes it to SummerSlam. Uh, and then we're told, obviously, Rey Mysterio's 20th anniversary celebration next week in Madison Square Garden. Tribal Chief's going to be there as well. Big show. Uh, and Bala says that Dominic failed their test tonight. Oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They said, "Oh, he should have taken the chair and cracked Ray's school. He barely gave him a second to do anything." <laughs> but next week, Ray's going to fall, and the Judgment Day is going to rise. They're just back to talking bollocks again, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. What's next? Uh, what's next is a load of tag team nonsense. Angelo Dawkins versus Skip. Um, oh, thank Skip. God. Enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review. Review. Nailed it. <laughs> 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 and this week's five-star review review is brought to you by jason doley uh, if you want your name associated with a five-star review if you want to suggest something short crap and wrestling related subscribe to what Culture dressing on itunes and leave us a five-star review you can leave us a five-star review on spotify i know you can't write something but instead if you want to do that just like jason's done you can email your review to me adam.willborn at whatculture.com uh, jason writes the headline of this email Five stars if you promise not to sing for a review ever again. <laughs> and then congratulations, Jason, with what you've suggested. You played yourself. <laughs> uh, Jason writes, I'll, don- I'll download anything to get rid of that five-star review. The one where I sang a few weeks back, if you remember. Which yeah. yeah. one so was that? I don't know. We've t- I've tried to wipe it from many people's memories. It wasn't good. Uh... a song. Someone wrote a song. Yeah. Terrible. The song was good. You're, you're just rubbish. Yeah. Fair. Uh, Spotify, sure. iTunes, why not? Stitcher, not even sure if it's a thing, but yes. Uh, in all honesty, as a fellow uh, performance major, I appreciate you and what you do. My day is great when I have your reviews to keep me going. The Dadleys are the best opinions I can find, and while I'm still enjoying AW far more than them, it's good to hear how much better it could be. It's back now. It's fine. I've got. I've got
2: some good feelings. that It's back. Got mad barbed wire
1: match this week, haven't we? Yeah, in the house of black absolutely rule. Oh yeah. Let you back. It's fine. Everything's fine again. Well, from, from one side of the scale <laughs> to the other. For a five-star review, review, and to keep on to the theme of bad singing, can you do karaoke showdown from SmackDown in 2020? This was what, like June, July 2020? Michael Hambler, please take us back there. Oh
2: Christ, I don't want to. So I'm not going to for just a second. Was that Jason? Jason Doley, yeah. Thank you, Jason Doley, for that. And happy birthday from all of us today to Colton. Hey, oh, right Colton! Way. The analogy or the OG possibly from when we were doing these behind a like a paywall on what culture extra R.I.P. more
1: of you in SmackDown Synopsis.
2: Sometimes on the same podcast. That can't work. It didn't. And then we started doing these and everything was fine. But like Colton was there from the very beginning. Like an ardent supporter, genuinely, and like a very nice person with it too. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. Great, great
1: when we met him at Mania. Unbelievable. Like, yeah, it was
2: great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your support. I hope you have a, a lovely birthday. Yeah. And uh, please don't get bored of us, even though it's been like, what, getting on five years now? Uh, stick with <laughs> it. Uh, like, the best days are still to come. Yeah. That's what I say about Raw. Uh, unfortunately, not in the next five minutes, because this is as sad as it gets. This is absolutely as sad as it gets. We've talked before about these performance centre rolls and Smackdowns and just what a grim reminder it was of whatever we were all doing stuck inside our houses at the time. Um, this is particularly grim because... You can always look at the staging to determine where we were at in terms of the pandemic at that point. So wrestlers were being told to stand there for eight hours at a time with no food breaks or chances to sit down in their masks uh, and make noise for the wrestling. The background, the neon wall said uh, Extreme Rules, the horror show Extreme Rules, which was the low ebb of the entire pandemic output of WWE, in my opinion. So this was about as bleak as it got. Uh, so until so the, the segment itself, when that, that set new, but like new levels. I was physically in pain watching this today. This this for me is one of the most excruciating and cringeworthy WWE segments ever.
3: Yes, is this one of those things that they did because a lot of the more talented workers were. Uh, mysteriously absent from the rest of the program. Any given week, yeah. Do you remember the thing when they had like 10 left? Yeah. <laughs> and they did like this, oh, we're going to pay tribute to The Undertaker. Oh, my yeah. God. It's got no particularly symbolic anniversary of what he's, what he's been doing, but we're going to pay tribute to The Undertaker, who isn't here. Yeah. But we're going to pay tribute to... Whose who's, who's name, who's a draw? can we just sell a tape <laughs> to this episode of SmackDown because there's literally 10 people. <laughs> I've got this vivid memory of uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro... Just at the back of this group of 10, just going, yeah.
2: Undertaker. Get me home. Get me home. People that can't get a chance started and they're having to do it anyways. Oh, my God. It was a very (laughs) dark one. Get me home, considering that we hadn't been able to leave it for like three three months by
1: then. Uh, It also is a weirdly fun game to spot the NXT stars in the audience. The obvious one you spot is our favorite. Sadly, injured right now. Get well soon. Rick Boogs. Yeah, the, the he was the uh, the Austin Gun of the uh, uh, of the pandemic era WWE because he did he he didn't need a chair for ten hours. No. Some of the others were suffering. The shots he was enthusiastic. he was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was just random. I was like, oh, there's Leon Ruff. Fan just fan around, around the audience. Anyway, so Jey Uso's there. He welcomes us to the first ever SmackDown Karaoke Showdown, uh, and you've got uh, Lacey Evans, Dana Brooke, Tamina. And Naomi in the ring. And uh, Jay explains, the rules, they're simple. each uh, the contestant gets 45 seconds to sing their favorite WWE theme song. And the audience, all 12 of them, are going to vote for the winner. Uh, Lacey's going to be singing, with my baby tonight. And Cole claims this would be really good. Why would he say something like that, do you reckon, Sid? Do you reckon maybe it's got anything to do with... Back there. Yeah, Sorry. I think Road Dog thought you gotta
3: put with my baby tonight on yep. as a classic. It was so over. If you sing my song, you'll get over. And I hate. I mean I've thought having the conversation on the on the desks the other day. Like, who's the worst? Like generally, who's the worst? Road dog or Kane? Who do I hate? Oh, that's a. Who, uh, who do I hate the most? At the minute, I kinda hate road dog the most because that <coughs> is Trying to worm his way into AEW because he's oh, mates yeah. he with Billy a, Gunn. He's
1: big tweet, didn't he? He's he? did beg
3: tweet at to Tony Khan, Billy Gunn terrifying me daily by saying, Yeah, we're trying to get uh, Jesse in. So why like, like, <laughs> don't, don't get him in. Luckily, CM Punk hates Road Dog. Oh um, Road Dog himself is like he's been caught being the bitch that he is. Hate the fact that someone he would perceive to be this absolute pencil neck little nerd got really over as a singles main event star. And, like, they, like, oil and water, like, one's, like, a pretty, like, you know, principled guy. The other one's just a complete arsehole <laughs> in terms of his beliefs. And uh they hate each other. So I'm hoping if there's ever a threat, that Road Dog who realistically at this point could retire, he's made his money. Never come back. Ever come back. And if, I reckon, honestly, if AEW would ever sign Road Dogg, horrific human being, the evidence of which is literally littered across the internet. I reckon there'd be a bit of a revolt amongst the boys. Pung hates them. FTR, I don't think get on with them either mm. at all.
1: It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? He's like, Road Dog goes in and ruins AEW, but we get the fall of All Elite Wrestling from from Michael Sudrik as a book. So, you know. Following the the book that I've already penned. Oh, what's that? (laughs) Entitled,
3: The Rise (laughs) of AEW Becoming All Elite, which is available for purchase on Amazon right now. 120,000 passionate, insightful words for a low, low price. (laughs) Does this segment come into it at any point? Meanwhile, on the other side,
2: (laughs) uh, once a week on a Wednesday, AEW was given a reason to get to the seven days. (laughs) WWE was in this
1: man, my is working hard on a goal, but the hands on the clock keep spinning real slow. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. I bet she got punished backstage
2: for getting the words wrong. Like Road Dogg, like, how dare you? Like You know, when, like it's my favorite reference point for Vincent Mann and pop culture. Even more than, oh, he didn't know Scarface and Razor Ramon happened, was when he's doing his XFL press conference. What, what makes you think that you can run a football league wrestling billionaire? Who are even your favorite footballers? Wahoo, McDaniel, right? Like the, Vince's cultural reference points are everything he's produced. What's your favourite country song, probably with my baby tonight. Like the, but like the one thing is like that, that'll play backstage. Jeff Jarrett had a backstage role, Road Dogg sung it. It's, uh, don't know the fucking words. No. Nope. That's you off television for six months.
1: When you come back, you're going to be shagging Ric Flair. Enjoy. Boogs is rocking out, though. I will say that. He's loving it. He's doing an air <sighs> guitar. I noticed. I got distracted. I didn't watch the rest of the song because, like you say, she didn't know the words. Anyway, it's cringeworthy
3: as well. Yeah, yeah, I wanted really to to, I
1: wanted to die. And she ends by saying, oh, Lord, would you look at it? And bends over. But what are you talking about, right? Uh She's got great ass. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't tell you to do that, mate. I was queuing you up for something, but wasn't being horny on main. Well, to be fair, she bends <laughs> over, Michael Cole just goes, Wow. Like <laughs> so, uh, and Corey Graves says, "How come I never felt that way when Road Dogg sang it?" Just in case we weren't sure about that, why did the Road Dogg feed him that line? <laughs> <laughs> um, I Dana Brooke, man, Dana Brooke does "Haunted Honky Tonk Man's yeah. theme, and gasses. She gassed out, so she goes like come along side burns and my ha- hair slick back <laughs> play big <pink girl> Come <laughs> coming to your town in a pink Cadillac <laughs> I'm <laughs> I also like the fact that it's you're a ho- I'm like, sympathetic for like this. she's in all leather she's yeah. dancing
2: this is a horrible horrible segment and I'm not comparing the tasks that she was asked to do here to tighten her heels at the start of this raw but my god like she couldn't say a no, could she? She's like, well, I've, yeah, "All right, fine, I'm doing this, and I'm a." But in Matt, like you're singing to a hard camera in a just about empty building in the middle of a global pandemic, and you were doing this
1: with your life. Nobody was happy. I also like the fact that two things: number one, the point of karaoke is it's you singing mm. someone else's song. Number two, there are ten people there. They've all been instructed to wear masks, and the general medical advice was don't shout. Don't do anything like that because it's only going to spread it. She goes, "Sing it with me, guys." <laughs> I was like, "We need someone to step in here." There's no one there. <laughs> He's a honky tongue, man. Uh, she does the whole, "I'm cool, I'm cocky, I'm bad," and Jay goes, "Yep, you are bad. Get out of the way."
3: <laughs> and Jay also trying to like be the rock and stuff, it's just <laughs> even almost
1: as bad as the actual content of the segment. So. I don't think I can do what came next justice, so I'm just going to play it because it's Tamina. Okay. Here we go. She did Triple H. Time it's
3: time to play the game! <laughs>
1: time
3: to, time play, time the to game. play the
0: game!
3: <laughs> <laughs> can I please dissect this, right? Please do. So the whole point of uh, it's time to play the game, the, the opening lyric is to set a tone of like intimidation. Like, if you play the game with me, I'll beat you. I've got the book. I'll beat you. <laughs> right. So you're trying to convey a bit of aggression, a bit of intimidation. I've got
2: will lose I've got 22. Yeah, okay, that's 22. <laughs> I got
3: you got 24, I got 25, I've got 25. <laughs> got, I've, I've got the book. Okay. So you're meant to convey aggression, intimidation. So you do your gruff uh, lemmy voice. And you go, it's time to play the game. Yeah. Something like that, right? it's time to play play the game right (laughs) really really just have that echoing in your ears right it sounds like right me when i'm trying to put the kids to bed and it's like quarter past seven or quarter past eight (laughs) or quarter past eight depending in like it's been a long weekend day yeah i'm hot i'm a bit bothered I just, I love them, and I've had a great day with them on Sunday. But I just, yeah, you need to go to bed. You need to go to bed to preserve this nice vibes. So just go to bed. We can all start again tomorrow morning, right? It's time to play, time to play the game. <laughs> that sounds to me, right, like one of them has just said, oh, Dad, can we play football?" And I'm going, James, it's half eight. It's time to play the game. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's bedtime. How could she get it so catastrophically wrong in terms of the tone she's trying to convey here? She's useless. It's time to play the game. It does sort of of remind
2: me of watching Raw most weeks between 2002 and 2005. You're just trying to enjoy some wrestling and then all of a sudden this (laughs) f***er turns off. It's time to play the game again.
3: (laughs) F*** off, Triple H. Maybe she was shooting. (laughs) Here's the thing. You see... Oh, God. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as Hamble. I'm thinking, it's time to play the game. No, it isn't. It's time to go to upper six. It's time to go to university. It's time to grow up. It's time to find something else within this wrestling <laughs> know, to do with my only. life. And then, you know, maybe WrestleMania 21, that looks good. I'll come back for that. I will come back
1: for that in 2005. <laughs> Thank you very much. Also, just very quickly, the laugh. Because the laugh is a sinister laugh. Well, come on, let's go to the, the second. Oh, sorry, minute. I didn't realize you hadn't finished. No, Please continue. continue. <laughs> Wait a second, let me just reset the scene. It's time
3: to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> time to play time play to play game. Right, why is she in a barbershop quartet now? <laughs> why is she in a barbershop quartet? <laughs> Tameen Sharps. <laughs> Stand to play the game. Like, not, like, what do you think you're doing? Just you're, you're, you're not, do you think that? Do you think that? Like, right? If I do a falsetto now, <laughs> right? I can escape this hell, <laughs> which was hell enough
1: I'm before make the sound pandemic.
3: <laughs> it was hell enough for you. Let's be honest. Before this new circle of hell that was empty arena performance center SmackDown and Raw, do you <gasps> think if I just i nail this full <laughs> right. I could be on The Masked Singer. Or I could maybe, you know... And then... Laugh. It's time to play.
1: It's time to play the laugh.
3: It's, it's bedtime, James. It's bedtime,
0: James.
3: That is the... Twitter troll... Cry laugh emoji... <laughs> in audio form where they are looking poor-faced, stone-faced, into their phones uh, <laughs> as they like say, so you're like A.W. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're not laughing. You don't, you don't find stone-faced this amusing. La stone-faced <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't find this amusing. <sighs> <sighs> you're simply hating the fact that your existence is a bit miserable. I mean, sounds like Tamina was hating the fact that her life was miserable. <laughs> I haven't... I've,
2: no further comment. If
3: you find the comment that is always under these videos, oh. I, I I'm going to scream into a void. But still, it will be a, a scream.
1: Uh well, well, we'll get to that. Let's let's move along. Uh, Sweating, Naomi. Yeah, I've got the pop sweat so much. Jay tells us to just stop and chill out. Basically, Naomi does it. Naomi does Dusty Rose's theme. She wins the audience vote at one point when he's getting the votes. Uh, he goes, who? Oh, what you reckon? Lacey Evans, I go, yay! Dana Brooks. Someone goes, someone in the audience yeah. goes, Dana sucks, get her off <laughs> like that. So Naomi, yeah, Naomi's music plays or whatever, and the lights and stuff. And she goes, I love you, miss you, Dusty. Uh, and Lacey's just f- furious <laughs> at this, shoves her down on the ass. Right, Naomi gets up. I I, I love this from Naomi. Even in this awful... She's like, oh, hell no, and takes off her earrings, and they start throwing shoes at each other, and have a fight, basically, and this leads to a match, but we're not going to review that. Oh, Christ, no.
2: (sighs) It's all-time worst stuff. All-time worst stuff from all-time worst era. They had the ability to... back of
1: my head sweating.
2: Like, again, AEW was just... I don't know, this heartwarming... Like... An ethos more than it was a wrestling show by that point in 2020. This was WWE's counter, this was their contribution to culture. That they they like you know, they had a very special relationship with the Floridian government to get these shows in the air. This was deemed essential yeah. at, at a legal and professional level. This
1: so we go to the comments. These do not reflect the views of myself, the Dadley Boys, or anyone know what culture wrestling. Uh leads in '99. Writes, ladies and gentlemen, this segment just set the women's revolution back to the divas era. Yeah, yeah. Which is a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Mikey writes, twenty me twenty twenty can't get any worse. WWE, hold my beer. <laughs> uh, Adam avfc90 writes, this is the most tragic five minutes of WWE I've ever watched. And then someone's like, I love you know I love an exchange, Sige, on here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Someone's like agreed. If Vince McMahon Sr. was alive to see this, <laughs> what would he have to say? I was like, well, you could just say this is a bad segment. You don't have to. Right, anyway. Vinny, the performance center will
2: always be the performance
1: center. <laughs> they're in the garden
2: next week, aren't they? They're in the garden. No uh, one's there. The garden will always be the garden unless there's no fucking people in there. Because You can't
1: sell tickets anymore. You feel me, son. You feel, son. Uh, J- Jermaine. I'm going to be in the Wall Street
2: Journal, Dad. You are
1: proud of me? Jermaine writes, <laughs> as they always try, you know, they like go, oh, imagine if this happened, like to like improve a segment. Imagine if Gillian Hall came out singing. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to.
3: See what you see, so see what we see. So we see <laughs> so what you saw a few years ago, that's the same
1: thing. Uh Cyber Server, you mentioned earlier, writes, even though it's it's in a week, this episode of SmackDown made me already feel like I've watched Extreme Rules, because this segment truly was the horror show. Good. Uh L. Spicy, though. Writes: um, These are dark times. Got to support WWE. They were there and for me in my darkest times. But y- this is crap. <laughs> 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 that, that you, what you're watching is not there for you. It's there for them. Yeah, no, like <laughs> It's
3: there for uh, rule dog. <laughs> you
1: know, you said earlier, you just please don't scream. But you know, you said earlier, if I found one, you'd scream. Of them, someone actually praising it. This is the closest I could get to it. i do not I've use myself, Daddy Boys. Anyone at what culture wrestling? Uh, I hate leftist. Writes. This was booked good since Naomi and Tamina are in it. Naomi and Tamina are hot.
3: <laughs> I was not going to scream. I was thinking you were gonna go, these were the days. No. Yeah. They, they were the opposite of the days. They were the opposite, literally the there's the opposite of the days. Don't give me that. I was going to scream, but perfect. Yeah, yeah. always really,
2: Wish to release really that the intimate atmosphere of the performance center. Bring it back. That kind of thing. Yeah. Like the uh, bring back a thunderdome.
1: Bring back the twenty eleven raw theme. That was a banger. <laughs> what? Gilman writes, Lacey Evans, wrestling Milford Mania. <laughs> <laughs> get, get, it gets into a bit about Lacey Evans here. Two more comments. They're both as bad as each other, these final two. Uh, <laughs> once again, they do not reflect the views of what culture dressing. <laughs> Self, the Dadly Boys, anyone like that. Yeah, nah, writes, Lacey Evans could smell it from here.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Hey, final you comment. can't though You, you can't. can't. You really
1: can't. That's the thing because she's slightly That's bent thing. over. Here. That's the thing. you can't actually do that. He's <laughs> right. Final one. Raphael, middle of lockdown. He's like, well, I'll take what I can get. Lacey Evans makes me come so quick.
3: I'm not a podcast because the hand on the cock keeps <laughs>
2: talking too, <laughs> too slow.
3: With my cock tonight. <laughs> we, oh. this is, I, I, I'm, I'm too hot. The rest of the show isn't worth talking about.
2: It's time Come
1: to on. have a wink!
3: <laughs> <laughs> she
2: asked the question of her. That's how she just checked it out. Time to have a wink. <laughs> That's it from together. Get in! <laughs> Time to have one.
1: Oh, so yeah, where were we? Angelo Dawkins almost went to a DQ because MVP got involved, then MVP got involved. That's in not the, skip, mean, skip me, skip me. I've just have to recap. Colton's birthday. Oh, what happens? MVP wrestled in his suit despite the fact he said earlier I can't possibly wrestle in my suit. Um, and then almost kicked out of a frog splash at one. Usos came in and got involved, and then uh, Ford and Dawkins got the rates kicked in. Wait, what's next? Uh, Shrive is going to interview Miz. Via walks in. And just goes boop, boop, and chuckles and leaves. They're making him a fun one, aren't they? Yeah. They've, they've, they've given up or are making him a He's given
3: up a monster heel and now he's going to be hard. It's fun giant time, isn't it? Fun horny giant. Yeah.
1: If you're wondering what that could look like, basically Shanky's already dancing on SmackDown. They're going to go down the fun character route and that's it, basically, isn't it? Sexy, giant. I think he likes you. like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, Made talked up Logan Paul for later.
3: Oh god, later.
1: Yeah, then Theory came out to cut a promo. Uh
3: it's basically it's a load of watch chance. He actually manages some to a half decent level, but I think they're so impressed with his ability to do the watch chance and get over it that they
1: do it all the more and it's just the worst thing. I kinda I kinda live through this again. He shows loads of videos, he shows Lesnar beating up Alpha Academy, he shows Ziggler cost him his match last week. AJ Styles comes out. And said, oh, whether you win the world title, whether you win the US title, I'm going to be first in line waiting for you. Because, uh, oh, in theory, have been saying everyone's jealous of him. He said, no one's jealous of you back there. Did you think you're a jackass? Uh, and theory's like, well, I accomplished way more than you did at my age. Well, what were you doing? Wrestling bloody hillbillies in rundown barns in Georgia. Isn't he from Georgia, theory, as well? It's down down. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Uh,
2: like, people have a go. Have the, the temerity to have a go at Mabel. At least it was big. You know, like Mabel comes out like, bloody hell, look at Mabel. Airport test, passes with flying colours. Like, I'm not saying he could go, but he could kind of go a bit for a guy his size. It was weird seeing him doing like a spinning wheel kick or something like that. Mabel was a uh, like a more credible contender for a
3: SummerSlam title match than Theory. I yeah. have that with all due respect. The last thing this long podcast needs is your new
1: generation I'm reverie. I'm tr-
3: Theory's you. I- <laughs> <laughs> Why am I talking about Mabel? Because he's better than Theory. <laughs> That's the point I'm
1: making. Well, Styles decked him. That's where I was going. Ziggler came out. This this was only the new... Might
2: as well sit here and do a more face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can't see that on a podcast. Got to talk about Mabel. Of course. We've got to talk about Mabel. AJ Styles versus Theory. There was the cryptic video beforehand you mentioned with the Mysterio mask and The Undertaker. Ziggler sat watching at ringside. Uh, Styles, in theory, have a decent match. There are a hundred wrestlers better than Theory is what I'm saying. Yeah,
2: there are yeah, even more than that. Mo. that more, more worthy of a push. Mo. Oscar could go if I couldn't.
1: Uh, theory teased at one point chucking Styles into Ziggler, but then he chopped him on the announce table instead. And then at one point, as they get back into the ring, ref's checking on Styles. Ziggler just hits Theory with a super kick. He gets counted out, and then when Theory goes in to complain, Styles hits him with a Styles Clash.
3: Would John Moxley do this? I don't think so. No, because he's not an arsehole, and he's the perfect baby face, And you should all aspire to be a little bit like John Moxley, not like Dolph Ziggler. Because I just thought, you, what the hell are you doing this for? I don't. I hate Theory. I don't yeah, like him at too. all. And I'm thinking, watching this, what you do that for, Dolph Ziggler? He's such a wank babyface, mate. He's rubbish. Dolph Ziggler's
2: rubbish. If anything, these make more sense as a parent than they do. Enemies. Yeah, yeah. I like look at these two, and I'm like. Oh, you both just loads some little creeps at this point. Like they're better off together. Maybe maybe that's where this will go. Like a couple of super kicks, like I was teaching you a lesson. Yeah. Like it, Dolph sees him as like himself as like an Obi Wan type figure at this point. Terrible version of
3: Looper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> video package from Bel Arelic, which was good, just to be fair. And uh video on all the recent charity work that Titus O'Neil's done. Too late. Uh, six woman tag match came next it was Sk-
3: uh, you looked at me and I was like skip I I've already done that
1: Asuka that Alexa Bliss uh, singing sensation Dana Brooke singing sensation Tamina and Nikki A.S.H. Uh, this went two and a half minutes and I got confused because I thought the match had finished at one point so there's 24-7 shenanigans 27 carnage going on here is there he pins Brooke then Nikki pins Tazawa. then Bliss pin Nikki and I thought oh cool so she's Won the twenty, not cool, but right, she's won the 24-7 title, and the match is finished. Then do drop pinned Bliss, and I was like, oh, cool, yeah, more 24-7 stuff, because that's what we need. Then Tamina pinned and then brooked in Tamina and bailed, and then they were like, right, back to the match. And I was like, oh, for f-. I was a bit like you, when I keep going with, like, a review. Just get on with it. Anyway, Bliss pinned Nikki, and, uh, no, sorry, Bliss pinned Nikki in the 24-7 thing, but apparently Bliss wasn't the legal woman in the match. It was Asuka, and she tapped out Nikki A.S.H.,
3: a complete and utter drivel, waste of time. The optics of which doing this with the women's division, considering wider things are very WWE, let's just put it that way.
2: Yeah, that they've got a belt that now both Becky and Asuka have been near, and they've clearly thought, we're not putting it anywhere near them. Like, Alexa Bliss is in the mud now, she's finished, but like, to have a title that it damages your stars to win is, as WWE 22, a thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. No, no, belong nowhere near. There's none of them belong anywhere near,
1: anyways. <sighs> Dreadful. Uh, the Mysterios were like, <laughs> can't believe Dom thought he thought ju- I was actually going to join you. You said you would, but okay, whatever. <laughs> no, uh, you aren't the first people to try and take down the Mysterios and split this team Don't up. We
2: f- know it. Jesus Christ, on board of these two losers.
1: I'm sh- going to show you what it's like to be a Mysterio next week on the 20th anniversary thing, and then we write that swear down. Which swear? You
3: just swore. Did
1: you swear? Yeah. Oh, fuck.
3: I didn't even catch myself
2: doing that, so I just I, 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 I hate these.
1: <laughs> right. Uh... Fair play to Miz. He knows how to hit a softball. He hit a home run at the celebrity softball game or something and got a belt for winning, for being MVP. He's the Miz. Anyway, time for the main event, Sid. We've got there. Have we? Yeah, Miz TV with Logan Paul. Uh, Logan Paul comes out uh, and just (laughs) doesn't mess about. We gonna have the match at SummerSlam then. And Miz says, Oh, uh, before that, let's have a look at what happened at WrestleMania. And he's obviously just showing the footage of them winning the tag match. And Logan's like, No, no, no. Can we just keep playing the footage for like 10 more seconds? And it's Miz turning him wine. Uh, no, turning on him, sorry. And uh, hitting him with a school crushing finale. Uh, and he says, Oh, God oh, damn, oh, oh, damn it. I'm just teaching just you.
2: That's the word turn. That's how you got that. I know, I know.
1: Balls. Uh, Miz says, you're just t- simply teaching Logan Paul. And uh, Logan's like, well, you've taught me that I've had to bloody sign a contract with this godforsaken company so I can fight you at SummerSlam. Miz runs down uh, his Wikipedia page. Logan Paul cuts him off. Uh, and he, Miz said, look, you've been really impressive in the short time being in WWE, but you need someone like me. Uh, he called Logan Paul a rookie who didn't deserve the match, so he declined He's the challenge. Yeah, he, uh, he said he... So Paul said oh, I've been told Long Paul said I've been told throughout my year, career that I couldn't build a social media career or I, I couldn't last in the ring with Floyd Mayweather uh, but I built an empire and I put Floyd Mayweather on my highlight reel and uh, he says I'm going to be better than you I'm going to prove it. Next week, Madison Square Garden, I'm going to host, not Ms. TV, Impulsive TV, which is the, also the name of his podcast. One of the best podcasts out there that isn't ours. Ms. Um, doesn't care, still declines the match. And he says, uh, I thought you'd say that because you, uh, you got blueberries in your pants. You got tiny balls. The tiny balls. Quick question about this. Hypothetically, is it that bad to have tiny balls? Because if you got a big old veiny cack and you got tiny balls next to it, it's not gonna make it's gonna make your cack look bigger. I mean, as long as your balls work, I'll, everything's good. My meat and two veg. I, I don't care how big my meat is. I care about how <laughs> big my meat is. I don't care how big my two veg are. What uh, is going on? <laughs> right. Isn't it? Someone saying you got a tiny cack? like they said? It was, someone said they got a tiny cack the other day. Oh, uh, Billy Gunn. Yeah, yeah. he's big is t- t- like, like, all right, we'll have it out then. Surely that's worse than saying you got blueberries in your pants. Look, <laughs> but it fires me up anyway. That, apparently, <laughs> that, I look that That's the catalyst. Not the potential of a huge payday, summer slam, blah, blah, blah. You mentioned my balls. That's it. We're having a match. I love that you start off
2: with that sort of like 90s. I don't
1: want to go on a rant here like Dennis Miller thing. But let's talk
2: about tiny balls for so. a second. I'm sure it's fine. you got a big old Vinny cock. It's all big good. Big old Feeny cock. He accepts the challenge. We are the comment section now.
1: That's yeah. it. We've, we've become all that we have. He tries to attack Paul. Paul beats him up. Champa gets involved. <laughs> Logan Paul runs away. He's a baby face, but he's, he's outsmarted them or whatever. And then they're like, oh, sh- we've got four minutes left. Sarah, get in the ring and ask him a question. And Miz just goes, oh, this is my house, which possibly is a reference to AJ Styles. Who knows? Uh, I'm the Miz and I'm awesome. That's the end of the show. And it was a pretty terrible one at that. Yeah.
2: Just, uh, I watched DIY uh, yeah, in the revival two out of three falls last night, and then I'm just seeing Ciampa. Oh, you
3: said it was good as Revolution, so let's not talk about that. I'm just seeing today
2: on Raw and just thinking, uh, a few years later, like Champa's made it to the main event segment of Raw, and it's with Logan Paul
1: and Mrs. tiny balls. It's just, it's WWE's weird and magic. What Mabel match would you recommend for people to watch today?
2: Well, it's um, this time of year. Mabel versus Diesel from SummerSlam. There are two high Why spots. Two high spots. Why am I surprised?
3: Don't set him off for Mabel again. I'm going to go
2: Mabel the Undertaker from King of the Ring.
3: Talking of man Mountain Rock
2: next. Man Mountain Rock is better than theory. <laughs> Right, thought, let's wrap this up. That WWF, guitar. that WWF guitar was all awesome, Swat but M. But M- at, logo guitar. at Adam Wilborn. At man, Michael Hamflick.
1: <laughs> you can follow us all at WhatCulture WWE. Uh, subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling. Uh, if you're on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, just like Jason did. Thank you once again, Jason. And happy birthday to Colton as well, uh, one of our day ones. This has been the Raw Review. We'll be back later to preview NXT 2.0 and be a bit more serious about all this, of course. <laughs> <laughs> My thanks to the Danny Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.